1: My friends who who are going the, the like the deep academic route, they're like, it's just time. Like, there's yeah, a lot of memorization, is. but you yeah. you shed a lot, you know.
2: Yeah, like, it's not necessarily like you have to be super smart to do this. It's like you have to like be interested in what you're doing. I think that's what I think it is.
1: I have kudos for you, man. Kudos to you for just like being like, drugs are cool. I'm gonna <laughs> learn about how the brain works. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, that's always. Should we just get into it? Should we just like? Yeah, we're
0: yeah, we're yeah, started. Let's start. Let's start. Yeah. yeah, let's do
1: it. But um.
2: Yeah, I guess uh, that, that came from, like, a pretty early age. I, I think the first time I smoked pot, I was, like, six, 15 or 16. I was always interested in trying that sort of thing. And then the, the deeper dive was, you know, I, I smoke pot, like, once a week with my friends at their house on a Friday night in high school. Um, and then that sort of – it never progressed. It's kind of stayed at, like, once a week for a while. And then I became more interested from, like, reading, you know, about – Trip reports on aeroid, You know, I don't know if people still use aeroid for that stuff. But um, I used to read reports on Aeroid and then I, you know, became, for some reason, really interested in trying uh, psychedelics like LSD. Um, and then when I did, I just got this immense real. Uh, I guess it dawned on me that like, this is just a molecule changing my consciousness. And ever since then, I was like, I want to study chemistry. I want to study pharmacology and just really dive into this stuff. But only really. What the care about like psychedelic drugs is really what I'm honestly trying to
1: pursue as like a career. Are you recording the screen? Y- yeah, we're recording everything. On Skype and everything yeah. also? Yeah. It's good. How come it doesn't say it? Oh it does? Yeah. Stop. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I just got to <laughs> it's because I had a similar revelation. It didn't lead me to like getting a PhD, but I, I went the first time I took Salvia that yeah. knocked me out of my body and like not in an out of body experience, but like an out of person experience. Like I was just gone. I was not me. I was in another realm, a whole other set of memories, a whole other uh, set of perspectives and perceptions. Like it was another dimension. It wasn't even like another three D, like mm. relatable plane kind of thing. And then I just came. I just popped back into this reality, and I had like that kind of what's that? What's that story of the butterfly? Like the guy dreams he's a butterfly, and he's like, is the butterfly dreaming me, or am I dreaming the butterfly? Oh, like which one is okay, more real? Yeah. And I, I just had that moment. I was yeah, like, yeah. I smoked a plant. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds weird already, but like then it just deleted my life for like 15
0: that's, minutes. <laughs> that's it. And the same thing happened with me when I did mushrooms in 2012. Like I was under the impression that it would be like, we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. So it was under the impression that it would be uh, just a chill room and we would just see like an elephant pop up and we'd all laugh and point at each other and <laughs> then it would disappear. Yeah. And then I just, when I we did it, the room kind of Turned into this something else, and I realized, holy fuck, my perception of reality is shifting. And that was like what I got out of it. I'm like, I thought physical three D reality is how it is, and then this substance just morphed this whole thing that I thought was right, what it was supposed to be, and it just blew my mind from that day forward. You know,
2: everybody. I totally feel you. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
0: I have a weird. uh, Oh, sorry. No.
2: I guess I remember having that same revelation of like, this is a molecule. And a molecule in, in in my world is a three it's a tiny thing, but it's three dimensional. And this tiny molecule that is a three dimensional thing is somehow affecting like my perception of reality. And
3: hmm.
0: pretty
2: much the same thing you're talking about. Um, yeah. It's wild.
0: Yeah, it's totally wild. It's just you you eat a mushroom that's growing naturally yeah. outside, and then your entire reality just shifts, and you're like, what the fuck? And then you have all these thought processes. And I would love. I'm so happy you're on because you're gonna go behind the science behind all of it. And it's ex- kind of explain the interactions and like for us, we just take it and and experience it on the experiential level, but to really understand it, that's fascinating
2: and I would even it's funny because I wouldn't even say like there's always new stuff in the field and I wouldn't say I fully understand it. Mm. I have like a a concept of like how the the drugs interact with parts of your brain, but it's there's still like a there's like something missing and the missing pieces I think like it's something in, like, cognitive, like, psychology or cognitive neuroscience that's, like, there's a missing piece still, mm. and um, we'll get into that with that, you know, why that is. And yeah,
1: there's the there's this kind of, of um, there's this crazy, like, Venn diagram when it comes to psychedelics where there's this mystical, spiritual, religious, and then very deeply, for sure, psychological, and then obviously uh, just straight-up uh, chemical, just understanding yeah. the, the biology and the chemistry behind <laughs> it, and there's no obviously from an academic point of view there's no reason to take any of those legs out of that table like there'd be a there'd be an almost like a school just for psychedelics mm. and uh, yeah. a lot of like we we talked to, to people who have like uh, centers you know and they'll they'll offer uh, <clears throat> psilocybin or or ibogaine or something and they as there's as their practice grows they're like yes we had a nurse now we have an actual physician now we also have a like, a trip uh, assist- assistant, you know, or, like, um, a, a straight-up uh, psychologist on, on or a therapist yeah. of some kind, like, on staff. So it's just, it's, like, more and more trying to plug the leaks because this is just, like, the, some kind of human experience thing, <laughs> and there's no avenue that's not worth, like... Uh, exploring i guess
0: isn't that amazing that now it's like pulling in all these practices into one center for for a treatment for someone it's like you whereas suppose you would go to like a psychologist talk to them get a prescription whatever a psychiatrist now you go to these centers you take a substance you have like a nurse you have a psychologist you have like a coach you have all these people are like forming a team to to just cater to everything and you probably even have like a spiritual person to speak to like a spiritual guide who can relate to some of these things that you've encountered and might have a better relation in some things, you know? And they're all rubbing off on each other, yeah. like all these practices and they, they have are your dossier. under just, one. They have your dossier after, like, okay, well, maybe they can work better with you. And it's, you have, like, this full team for your psychological state. Uh, this is, I'm excited for the future of medicine in terms of this, you know?
2: Yeah, totally. It's, um, I'm really happy that, like, there are, I feel like there's been, I guess, like, in my recent experience, like a boom in psychedelic research and people wanting to talk about it explorer for medical avenues it's it's becoming like pretty big yes um it's gaining a lot of steam there's all the you know the maps clinical trials uh mdma is now stage three for uh, post-traumatic stress disorder um and a lot of the soldiers coming back with like ptsd from war mm. and psilocybin is phase two for depression major depressive disorder it's like it's becoming a very real, rea- re- re- a very real reality. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's it's insane. It's really because I I talked about this with Sammy so many times, but I back in twenty twelve twenty eleven, like I was talking to people about ayahuasca and stuff, and it was, people would just head scratch I me. Mean, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh-huh. And now today, if I bring it up, literally almost anyone I encounter has heard about it, has done it, or has a family member or a distant cousin, but they've heard about the term ayahuasca and mushrooms and all these things. So there's definitely like a, a resurgence, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. It's it's becoming like big in popular culture. And I, I am curious, I've never, have either of you guys shot ayahuasca? I've never taken ayahuasca. Oh, yeah. You both have? <laughs> oh wow! Or I begin Or no? I know I is no. more of a purging thing for people use for uh, addiction. But uh, I'm interested. Yeah, so in So what Oboga, did, yeah. did you did you did you take ayahuasca like here? Oh, I mean, in Canada, or do you go down to the rainforest? Or I guess maybe you can't disclose, but you know, well,
0: whatever. We don't have to get into big detail, mm-hmm. I but guess, about uh, 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 anything. It's not too far off, though. I'll just leave that detail.
2: Yeah.
3: Fair it's enough. definitely it's good to know. Yeah.
0: It's definitely not in our area, but it's not far. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's closer <laughs> than Peru or something, but it's uh it's still very much had like a s- like a I'd say almost re- pretty much religious uh context, yeah. like a very very ceremonial, very Yeah. And I and I yeah. always say on the podcast, I a lot of the experience was that and yes. I only did it once, so I can I can kind of like latch on to my experience and it's a little more uh What's that word? But it's like it's, I haven't had a lot of experiences, so it feels like less.
2: Yeah, it's very clear in a way. It's less yeah. like muffled by other experiences.
1: And this guy's done it like a dozen times or more at this point.
2: Uh, so,
0: yeah. So, yeah. So, so something like that, allegedly. You,
2: that's it. You, you have more of a build, flavor. Did you both, uh, per, throw up on it. A lot of people puke on Iowa. Oh, yeah. I did. I did.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah, many times.
2: Yeah, many. Times. It's it's, <laughs> it's
0: not like what anyone thinks it, it is. It's that's unfortunately the one that stains the term ayahuasca people are associated yeah, directly to purging, yeah. but the purge, I'm telling you, is the best part about the experience. <laughs> real. And,
2: and it's, is it like, it's, it's supposedly you drink it, you purge, and then you start to trip really hard.
0: It so depends. Like, it depends. depends. Yeah, some, I some like trips, sorry?
2: Uncomfortable throwing while you're tripping. I guess it's not, for whatever reason.
1: I, you know what i describe it as? Like, you yeah. ever... If you've ever taken LSD or psilocybin or anything, you have that moment at some point where you're, like, extremely sober. Like, oh, you're, yeah. you're tripping and, yes. you're, and you're in the room. Maybe you're alone or you're with friends or something, and you're suddenly just a guy in a room with friends. Like, there's nothing else. Even if you have the visuals or maybe some emotional, like, uh, fluctuations, you're suddenly, like, very aware that you're, like, where you are and who you are. And there's almost something, maybe it depends on your set and setting kind of thing, but you, it, it almost feels gross Or heavy, you know? Yeah, Um, I I know.
2: I know this feeling—the gross. I I felt that definitely on psychedelics for a brief moment in time.
1: Totally. I I feel like everyone. I say it. They're like. They're like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Like it kind of rings a bell, and I feel like the puking, is like a long drawn out feeling of that. Mm. Like you're this rising. what's the... there's a word when you're taking drugs. Tr- but like you know that the the up the coming they up come kind off. of yeah, yeah come the come yeah that's literally called it so <laughs> that that's for me that started happening and then i started feeling sick and then it was kind of stuck and then i had like uh like a shot up my nose that like helped me puke oh wow and wow yeah that was oh fun my God. and and it was actually really good like in a in a psychological way to feel like more vulnerable around everybody mm. and then to to also, in some weird, like, medicinal, spiritual way, I got, like, something came out of me. Something I didn't need anymore. Some yeah. kind of thing, some kind of parasitic mm. entity got, got the fuck out kind of thing. So, that's a whole other conversation. But it, it, yeah, it was, sure. the, 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 the the buzz, whatever you want to call I, I feel stupid even calling it that. <laughs> but the, the the psychedelic feeling is very... I mean, I it, it moves it moves a lot yeah. it can feel intense one th- yeah. one moment and then suddenly yeah. s- feel the same but not intense it can suddenly go like really low and you're kind of in your body again but then you have a kind of f- ethereal feeling in your mind or a floaty happiness mm. or a, like it really moves around and it's just moving the goalposts all the time but yeah. like in a good way so you're like always scoring <laughs> or Ooh. never scoring i don't know it's like an ego trip right so yeah. there is a way to explain
2: this there's this idea um, that comes out of Carr Harris group. It's called entropic brain theory and it's a model that's used to describe a psychedelic state um, but basically it says that in a psychedelic state your brain goes through a lot of entropy and a lot of disorder so I think it speaks to what you're talking about where you have this very like ever changing landscape of psychedelics where there's a lot of like disorder in the experience.
1: I like using the um, word entropy because I, I picture like a system of, of like a uh atoms or something. I picture. I I apply it to the physical world, so there is this kind of... That's good, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I liken it to a dream in in that, like, your your brain, parts of your brain are randomly turning on and off, essentially. So you're going to have this, like, collection of the self, and then something additional, and then you'll have this disillusion of the self, and who knows what, when that's happening. So it's this constant, like... Yeah. I don't know if it's as organized as contraction and like contract it's not it's not it's not very organized (laughs) but it's something it's not that linear but it's something like that right it's like if
2: you look at like eegs that come off so basically like um you can look at the brain patterns of somebody tripping on psychedelics and a normal brain pattern or show like you know normal like spikes and like normal um minima so maximum minimum maximum minimum they go up and down very synchronously it's called synchronous uh brain synchronization but um in psychedelics, you see this very – it's called asynchronous brain synchronization where you can't actually predict the spikes and you can't predict the peaks and the uh, the lows. You, like, can't predict the brain pattern,
0: which is interesting. That's very interesting.
2: Yeah. And we don't know, like, how to predict the model. Like, people don't know yet how to predict that model. And people are, like, working on this, like, how can we predict these brain patterns using mathematics and nothing's worked yet.
1: <laughs> what would be the point of predicting it? What would, what is that –
2: The the idea of predicting is that you can understand the experience in terms of, like, a neuronal level. It's to be able to understand, like, what is the mechanism under which this is working? And oftentimes people use mathematical models to be able to predict it so that they can say, like, oh, it's doing this. But because we can't predict it, we don't really know.
1: Hmm that's do we know after the fact like if you're looking at this uh eeg and you're seeing the ups and downs are these like specific is this like specific activity in specific parts of the brain so you can still tell what someone's experiencing quote unquote that's interesting yeah
2: it's, it's it's not like a global brain thing it's very specific brain regions a lot of people look at um you can look at whole. you can look at like whole brain EEGs, but in this psychedelic world it's not as like a functional to do it it's not as important to do it it's more important to look at specific
1: structures hmm. are there like um umbrella categories of experience sort of like the like the religious experience like the kind of disillusion of ego or the the bad trips like are, are there things you can actually read oh, and be like oh that's this and that's, that's they're what probably
2: they're... I would guess there are. I haven't seen anything personally yet, like, in the literature that tries to describe it. But, like, as we progress more and more in science, we'll be able to, like, figure these things out. But that would be interesting, like, you know, in a, in a, really, in a really simple manner, like, one of the brain regions that's responsible for, like, fear, right, fear uh, extinction is your amygdala. Your amygdala becomes, you know, heavily uh, active when you're in a very fear-induced state. So I'd imagine that in a psychedelic state where somebody like is very scared and afraid, you'd see higher, um, you'd see like more activity in the amygdala. So you mm-hmm. can kind of you can kind of use the normal brain um, function to predict these sorts of things.
1: Is, and like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I I I don't want to pick your I don't want you to like I don't want to turn this into a lecture, but I'm curious like. <laughs> no,
2: no, it's fine. No, it's I I don't mind the lecture style stuff.
1: Awesome. I, I'm just curious. Like, is there a norm? <laughs> that's like an average or does everyone's brain regions more or less like function the same way and communicate to each other the same way or are there kind of like big variations there
2: for the for the most part it's pretty like this occurs in everyone's brain if you want to if you want to get it down to like that that level of science yeah like the average brain would do this but like of course there's always uh, variance when you're doing any measurement Mm. and uh, we always measure those like those those variable changes from person to person when you run an experiment. Um, and you call that just an error, like your standard error between people. And it's usually, it's usually not that much between people. Standard error is usually not that like wide of a margin. Okay. So it's like, because Deviants. we all have like, <laughs> because we all have human brains and we're all humans and we all have like serotonin receptor and we all have a basic, Similar structure of our, our brain, our neural neural networks. Uh, they all function pretty much very similarly, I'd say.
1: Hmm. And this is what you're studying specifically, right? Is like like a specific set of serotonin receptors that are responsible for. Yeah, or, like, we
2: can we can get into that. Yeah, so yes, I am I'm not i I'm not a neuroscientist. Um, I'm like a pharmacologist slash chemist, and what I specifically. Oh, I'll get into what I really study and what I'm interested in studying. What I really study is uh, I work for a, a guy that does cannabis research. Um, so we try and design or look for novel drugs from cannabis that, that can be used to treat seizures. Uh, seizures specifically in adolescents that are like between five and ten years old. Um, it's, it's a type of seizure that causes something called absence epilepsy younger kids. And unfortunately, epilepsy is really bad for your brain. Mm -hmm. And a lot of kids who have these aggressive seizures don't live very long lives. So we're looking for drugs from cannabis that can be used to treat epilepsy. And um, what the research group I work with has found that is if you combine CBD uh, and THC, it reduces epilepsy by about 50%. But the ratio of CBD to THC is about nine parts CBD, one part THC. And um, what's interesting is that we they've tried the concoction with just CBD and it doesn't work. Hmm. You need like a little bit of THC for the, the seizures to actually be eliminated.
1: Do, we, do you but know why? Is there like a, something observed there?
2: We, we don't know like from a, from a pharmacological level, like like very small molecular level, no, we don't know why there must be some interaction between CBD and THC inside of the receptor that's like doing this, but we don't really know why, but we know that it works and that's really cool. Um, But specifically my role in this project is to understand these from a molecular level. So I look at like the three dimensional shape of a molecule, for example, THC or CBD. And then I look at the three dimensional shape of the receptor that it binds to which is called cannabinoid receptor type one. And the way to think about these very abstract ideas is think about like a baseball glove, um, and a baseball, a baseball glove is much bigger than a baseball. And when you catch a baseball inside of a baseball glove, you use your hand to kind of modulate the shape of that pocket. Right. Mm -hmm. So somebody throws you a ball and you catch it. And in this analogy, the baseball glove is the receptor and the drug is the baseball. And, um, The idea here being that in a molecular level, when receptors and drugs interact, they interact in very specific ways. For example, a part, basically like some part of the molecule will interact with some part of the receptor. And the parts of the receptor are basically, receptors are made of amino acids. They're collections of different amino acids. So like some molecule on one of those amino acids or a few of those amino acids will interact with some molecules inside of the drug. Mm-hmm. And I really try and look at uh, what are the exact molecular interactions between the receptor and the drug, if Whoa. that makes sense.
1: <laughs> I have a hundred questions, but it makes sense so far. Like, So are there different <laughs> molecules interacting with different parts of the receptor to give different effects?
2: Yeah, so so basically you can think about it like, um, like this. So what's really interesting is that for, let's see, let's use serotonin receptor, because that's usually the one that gets a lot of play in psychedelics and the one I'm more interested in. So serotonin receptors have 14 different subtypes, meaning that look at the shape of a baseball glove. And for example, if I had a baseball glove and you had a baseball glove, they'd probably look the same, but they'd have slightly different shapes because they're different baseball gloves, mm-hmm. much like serotonin has different subtypes of receptors. Um, and sorry, what was... I totally forgot your question. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just rambling. This,
1: I, I asked if, uh, yeah, this it's a, it's a obscure. No <laughs> yeah, it's
2: probably a good question. Uh, uh, well, I
1: asked um, if, if there are because you're saying like a the specific molecule coming in interse- like uh, interacts with yeah. one of the amino acids that make up the receptor. So I was asking yeah, if correct. different molecules will interact with different parts of the receptor that is is
2: exactly you have that right okay cool so what's what's interesting what's interesting about that is you have serotonin receptors and you also have serotonin the molecule and in your body the reason that you have serotonin receptor is so that serotonin the molecule the neurotransmitter can bind to it and that's how it modulates the effects right and Conserved in every one of these receptors, which is really fascinating, is a specific receptor site. And the specific receptor site is called an orthosteric binding site. And the role of this orthosteric binding site is so that whenever serotonin molecule comes in, it always binds to the exact same site. And it never, it's never going to change. And these orthosteric binding sites are conserved among like all of these different receptors that our body makes. So, and what's interesting about your question is that if you if a drug has a different interaction with a different part of the receptor, it'll produce different effects. That's which is pretty
1: crazy. I, that was like a yeah. follow up question. What if the same molecule mm-hmm. lands in a different way? So, yeah. so you can have a well. I, I picture it like a net, and it's catching like a rainfall of molecules. So you're like the the melange of effects is going to kind of create the overarching like. Uh, trip essentially yeah so yeah. each molecule has like a couple of ways that it gets you high in a couple of receptors or one specific receptor and then that creates a mush trip or a salvia trip or ayahuasca trip or whatever yeah that's fucked your <laughs> job is you're
2: asking con- really interesting questions that get really deep into pharmacology which is interesting because what's even <laughs> if we go a little bit deeper when a drug goes into a receptor it's actually constantly moving inside the receptor So receptors always like vibrating and moving and a molecule is always vibrating and moving. And basically when they interact, the molecule is looking for how am I going to be the happiest? And a molecule is the happiest when it's at the lowest energy state. So molecules can adopt certain shapes that are put in a really high energy state. Mm -hmm. um, And molecules can adopt shapes that want to put it in a really low energy state. And it kind of is, as you say, it's like a mixture of those different states the molecules adapting it's an average of those that is
1: the effect of the drug That is so cool It's like plinko it's like this it's yeah, like a, it, I thought it was like Lego but it's like no. this thing hits and kind of connects and it's like maybe like yeah. a messy velcro and it just yeah. kind of keeps wiggling until it connects more and more and more and like yeah. that is it's so a, cool
2: When you first when you first learned about this stuff that I that I study you think about it as these freeze frame things as, like, a drug being like this three dimensional thing that doesn't move, and a receptor being a three dimensional thing that doesn't move, and they kind of just clicking together like Legos. And that's what you're taught when you first learn pharmacology. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, oh no, the receptor is actually always like shifting and moving a little bit into these different, like, high and low energy states, and the molecule is always shifting into these high and low energy states. And when they interact, they're both vibrating in these high and low energy states. And the effect of the drug is really the average of all of those high energy states that it's adopting but in reality it's going to have the effect of the low energy state more than the high energy state because the drug will be in a low energy state more than it would be in a high energy state
1: once it's locked in it's like it stops wiggling essentially i don't know i'd put it in like a term yeah it's always
2: yeah basically so it kind of gets locked in and it's still vibrating, and it doesn't want to go to a high-energy state anymore. It still kind of stays in this low-energy state inside the receptor, kind of just wiggling.
0: This might be a stupid question, but is this receptor solely for that molecule, or is it for other things as well?
2: So uh, I guess that's an interesting uh, thing to bring up. So seroton- if we take serotonin, serotonin uh, receptors specifically for serotonin. Yeah, they're very specific. Okay. Dopamine receptor, you know, would yeah. have the compound dopamine coming to bind into it. Okay. Uh, cannabinoid receptor would have um, the cannabinoid ones are actually a little bit different. It's not called it's not called a cannabinoid drug. It's, they're called there's two of them. They're called 2AG and AEA, 2-arachidonic okay. glycerol and anandamide are the two. They're called in, the ones that they, basically they're the the molecules that your body naturally synthesizes for the role of binding to these receptors okay. and cannabinoid receptor has two of them which is kind of unique about cannabinoid receptor um that's but interesting. serotonin receptor just has one which is
1: serotonin okay so when we're introducing these drugs they're kind of like not are these molecules like they're not supposed to fit perfectly i mean
2: i don't know if that's the right thing to say like supposed to or not i know i felt dirty to. saying it yeah yeah <laughs> the, fact, the fact is that they, they do fit they do fit inside these receptor types. So for example, like a lot of drugs fit inside of a uh, serotonin receptor that produce psychedelic effects, LSD, psilocin, <laughs> um, the N-bomb compounds, if you guys have heard of these compounds, like 2CE, 2CI, mescaline,
3: hmm.
2: um, ayahuasca contains DMT, which also sits inside this receptor. Um, and the really, if you want to make the, if you want to make it even more complicated and more messy than we've already made it, let's do it. Um, <laughs> drugs don't. So drugs like most drugs don't just bind to one receptor, right? So for example, oh. um, well, let's go for a kind of a messy one. LSD, LSD doesn't just bind to serotonin receptor. It also binds to dopamine receptors, okay. right? So the interesting part is that drugs don't just have one. A mechanism of action because they bind to one receptor subtype, they bind to multiple receptors and multiple receptor subtypes. The reason that serotonin 2a receptor gets the most press in the field of psychedelic research is because it has the highest likelihood to bind to a serotonin receptor. So, for example, if you had 100 serotonin receptors, and let's nine, if you had nine, if you have like 90 serotonin receptors. If you have, sorry, if you have LSD, it's going to bind to like ninety serotonin receptors and ten dopamine receptors. Okay. So you say the primary mechanism okay. is, is where it binds to the most
1: amount of receptors. So then, if there's something maybe like ecstasy, like MDMA, like that's probably flipped. Like it's more dopamine related. Yeah, it's more Just dopamine the... related. So yeah. you can predict a bit, or maybe a lot, like the high, like the feeling, like you the can, overall.
2: You, yeah, you can, you mm. can, and. So what's interesting about a lot of medications is medications, a lot of have side effects, right? And medications have side effects because pharmacology is like still becoming more advanced. And in our infancy stage of pharmacology, we don't necessarily understand how to make one drug bind to just one receptor. We have like one drug that binds to a few different receptors and it binding to those other receptors is what creates those side effects but we don't know how to really engineer a drug that can just bind to one receptor only. Okay. And we're, we're getting better at that.
1: I never thought of it like a man versus nature kind of thing. Like nature's got this beautiful complex uh, molecule that like almost is serotonin to the point where it jumps into those receptors and, and sometimes other receptors, like you're saying. But then we're yeah. trying to make a molecule like homegrown style, like in a few years instead of a few millennia. And and obviously, like I, I've heard a lot of I'm not a I'm not in th- 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 these fields at all. I'm just a sorry, curious man. chimp, as we <laughs> say. But uh, <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. Sorry, no, not sorry. That. But uh, my no, it's good. My point is that um, what was my point? I lost it a bit. What were we talking about? Was Damn you, curious chimp joke! <laughs> you ruined my brain. I do
2: this too. I'm I'm forgetful a lot too, and I tend to like.
1: Uh, well, it's a lot of info thing. altogether.
0: Yeah. What was I going to say? Is. We were talking about molecules, and you started off with you were not in this field. It was a curiosity or something. I don't know. Yeah, Actually, you
2: were, it was, yeah, it was maybe something about, you were trying to say, like, nature's really complex and creates all those beautiful molecules. Right.
1: But, um, Thank you. Yeah. I've heard a lot of professionals, s- some people who are, like, maybe a little more weary about uh, pharmaceuticals in general. I heard that. That was a good crack. Thanks. That was... Yeah. <laughs> And uh, (laughs) so it's described as, like, uh, indiscriminate, like you're saying. Like, you're showering the brain with a molecule and kind of hoping... And that's weird when a doctor is, like, in the corner, fingers crossed, like, like, hey, maybe this will make you worse. Maybe it'll make you better. Maybe it'll make you better, Mm -hmm. but you'll also be depressed or you'll be tired or you'll be brain foggy or they don't really know what's going to happen. And it's like your chemistry versus the simple molecule. So it's like maybe this other drug, Trixanax instead of Celextrapran or whatever they're yeah, called, Yeah, like, exactly. So it's a, it's like a trial and error whereas it's more ubiquitous, the experience is more ubiquitous with like let's call them plant medicines or like these these new like MDMA, psilocybin, DMT, yeah. etc. because they're so complex that they kind of match our complexity and then they actually function better. It's like I'm trying it's like the form of a question but I guess I just answered it myself.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's what you're saying. There's a, there's a term, there's a whole, there's, there's a, there's an idea on this in pharmacology. And the idea basically is that you can smoke cannabis and you'll have an effect from smoking cannabis, or you can smoke something really high concentrated THC like oil. You can dab, right? Um, And those two intoxications are going to be different, right? Whether you smoke a concentrate or the plant material. So basically the cannabis plant material contains about 120 different molecules that will, will contribute to you being intoxicated or high. Mm. And we call this the entourage effect in the field. Did you it's say the 120? Effect that, what's that? Did
1: you say 120?
2: Yeah, can, cannabis plant has about 120 different cannabinoids that will get you, will produce intoxication. But what's interesting is they refer to this effect of 120 different molecules as the entourage effect. Um, the way to think about it is like, I think about it like you, you ever hear like a, you go to a show and you hear a symphony play or like a band or something and you hear, you have like all these instruments playing at once and that creates like one global sound that you can listen to. Um, or you can hear somebody play a solo and that's just one instrument. Hmm. So the analogy is that like the one molecule having the effect like THC is like one instrument playing a solo. Uh, And the effect of cannabis plant is like the whole symphony playing. It has this global effect to it. And um, we refer to that as entourage effect, and it can be extrapolated to any drug. Uh, For example, like we can even say ayahuasca. Ayahuasca contains the oral active compounds DMT, but it also contains other alkaloids or other compounds that will produce an intoxication. You know, on the contrary, you can take DMT by itself or smoke DMT, and that has a different effect. So it's the idea that nature has designed all of these plants to have many different compounds, um, and that has an effect. But what we do as pharmacologists is we isolate one of those molecules to figure out how it works inside the, uh, the human brain, right?
0: I would love to get into why swap. I know it a little bit, but the DMT, oral, orally taking the DMT versus smoking it has a completely different effect. Yeah, Maybe it would totally. be interesting to go into the science behind that and why that does that, because it, isn't it the same molecule in the end of the day, or is there more? Yeah,
2: it's, it's actually, this actually applies, the, the question you're asking hmm. actually applies for any drug, which okay. is interesting. So uh, when you take a drug and you take it orally, uh, you, it first has to go into your stomach, right? And then the acid from your stomach will bioconvert that drug into something else. And the whole process of bioconverting a drug is so that you can pee it out. That's really the, all the goal of this. Okay. Uh, your, liver, your liver converts, your liver is going to take that drug and uh, convert into something that's more, what we say, polar, and it can be peed out. And um, your kidneys filter it. But basically, taking a drug orally it takes longer for it to get into your bloodstream and then into your brain. But when you smoke a drug, it goes instantly into your lungs. And then from your lungs, it goes right into your bloodstream. So it, it, um, it, it happens much faster. Mm-hmm. It takes a shorter period of time for the blood to get into your bloodstream and into your brain. So that really applies for any drug. So I'd imagine like, it's interesting that smoking DMT is popular and taking ayahuasca is popular, but like, what DMT is you're smoking a psych- you're smoking a psychedelic. It's really it's one of the only psychedelic drugs that you actually smoke, right? I don't know that. Well, people smoke 5-methoxy, DMT, yeah. which is the the toad venom one, and that's yeah. also really potent. Yeah. But if you were to probably take that 5-methoxy DMT in an oral an oral pill or an oral way, it would be a um, not as intense of an effect, but basically when you smoke it, uh, the concentra- it gets to your bloodstream faster, and the concentration goes up really high and then down really fast. So mm. it has a very short mechanism of action. Yeah. But when you orally take it, it stays in your bloodstream for a longer period of time then kind of crashes down.
0: What I, What I find beautiful about ayahuasca is, is that it has the five m uh, not the five uh, the um MAO inhibitors that activate. Yeah, MAOI inhibitors. And yeah. that's some pretty complex chemistry, right? To to combine yeah. those two, and supposedly they figured that out about four thousand years ago, combining that's the crazy. two plants.
1: That's always kind of mind-blowing.
0: That one has to stick because that is... That is mind-blowing. Yeah, because if you ingested the ayahuasca without that inhibitor, it would have just been digested and pissed out and probably no effect. I always like it. I always enjoy picturing them just
1: mixing everything. Like, Like, you know, like early life, you know, like a less complicated but still fairly advanced civilization. And they're just, like, playing Minecraft. They're like, what if I yeah. mix this and that this and, yeah. that, this and that, this and that, this and that. And then one day they find this mixture, or, like, they would say is that, like, y- you find something that starts kind of talking to you, and then it starts telling you, like, yo, go
0: try this well, that's what they say. with that bark. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly. That's, that's the legend that's behind that. ayahuasca, is that the plant medicines taught them how to, to make this brew. But the complex thing about this brew is um, it's that it's in a an abundance of plants and vines and also there's over a hundred thousand species of plants in the Amazon that these two combinations, one turns off that system and the other one allows the DMT to be activated. That's fucking statistically if they're doing trial and error, uh, we're talking in the, in the lottery numbers here.
2: Yeah, that's... out of all those plant species, they just happen to find the it two. It's pretty crazy, and it makes you wonder, too, like, what else is out there in the Amazon rainforest that's oh, probably, like, a psychoactive compound. I
1: wanted to ask you oh. if you're, since you're much more in the field, like, is there anything kind of, like, uh, similar to ayahuasca, or, or DMT, Not, even?
2: like, I mean, synthetic, yeah. I mean, there's, Um, I was just looking at this today, there's no reason I know this right now, but um, <laughs> cool. there are these, you can basically make DMT derivatives, so... Uh, DMT is called dimethyltryptamine. The reason it's called dimethyltryptamine structurally is because it has two uh, methyl groups coming off of a nitrogen and the core backbone of the structure is a tryptamine. But you can also make diethyltryptamine where you take instead of methyl groups, you have ethyl groups coming off of it. And then you can have dipropyltryptamine, which is a three carbon chain. And then you can have diisopropyl tryptamine, which is an isopropyl group. So, yeah, I mean, these don't occur in nature, though, these compounds, these other ones. These are synthetically made.
1: And people have, like, tried these in a psychedelic... P- people, have, people have,
2: people there's actually, like, yeah, papers on... I mean, there's, there's papers studying the relationship between the structure and the um, activity of the drug. Mm. Um, and I think, I don't know if... I mean they're in the they're in the literature a lot you can read them in publications. I don't know if I've read a trip report about somebody like taking diisopropyl isopropyltryptamine or like uh, di uh, ethyl tryptamine or anything I would be but i mean superior. they're 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 compounds that are like I guess I've only seen them in papers where they're testing their activity in cells not people okay uh... how do they function inside of a cell but um I would imagine you could probably get them somewhere you know there's all the <laughs> research chemicals going
1: around. there's probably a big stamp on the front that says like don't smoke this you freaking hippie like you yeah, don't know what it's gonna do i may or I may not cute. know
0: about these <laughs> these uh research chemicals like,
2: like whenever you buy any research chemical it always has that not for human consumption label oh, yeah. if you look at the pictures on the reddit that people post not for human consumption yeah, that life.
1: always scares me a bit because they're they're not made for human consumption. Even though it could no, easily be not. consumed, there might be some little like check of quality or some extra like like a preservative or something it's, weird. Like it's they way, think way better than
0: your backyard uh, or <laughs> alleyway drug dealer. <laughs> I That's a good yeah, point. I agree with this. That's a way good. better. You're taking a chance yeah. regardless. It's safer. Yeah. 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 But yeah, yeah but your drug dealer doesn't want to kill you. Yeah, but he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing.
1: <laughs> That's true, but the other guys know what you're doing and they think that you're your, not consuming your it. Your
0: drug dealer's got a fucking grateful dead t-shirt on and he stinks and, and he's, he's cooking shopping, up something, he's yeah. like, Fuck it looks good, sell it. Everything's cut. It's, it's DMT somehow cut with like
1: cocaine. Uh, yeah, he, he literally the,
0: the week before he was making cocaine or something.
1: <laughs> and it's yeah, it's like still in the in the in the bowl or something. It's like a residue. That's actually I don't know if you know how this works. I was actually <laughs> contemplating this the other day. Because I, I, when I was younger, I did a bunch of drugs like a fucking idiot, you know, like I'm, a lot of us have. Yeah. It's just the growing Fair pains enough. of being a human. <laughs> growing it's, pains. It's, that's the only way I could describe yeah. it. But I'm just curious, because yeah. we're talking about, like, uh, absorption through the lungs and why it's faster and stuff. Earth. Like, I used to think I would snort cocaine, just for example, or ketamine, and choose your fucking powder <laughs> of choice. Pick your poison, I guess, would have been a better <laughs> thing <laughs> to say. Um, so why does... I'm inhaling, a like, a crystal, like what the fuck? (laughs) I don't know how that works. Is that just rubbing up against my mucus membrane and, like, going into my blood? Exactly. When you
2: you blow, nose is actually, although it's like, although you've seen people with really messed up septums from blowing a lot of cocaine, like, where they have, like, no septum in the middle, Mm -hmm. um, the nose is actually a really good surface for absorbing a drug, which is why people blow cocaine or blow drugs. But, yeah, exactly. There's a mucus membrane inside your nose, and that mucus membrane has a lot of, um, has a lot of en- entrance areas into your, right into your bloodstream, basically. Mm. Yeah.
1: The, the, isn't the rest just going into, like, my lungs?
2: Likely, yeah, because a lot of people talk about the drip thing or whatever down the throat or whatever. They'll, like, have that, like, drip or whatever. Yeah, like it's um,
1: stuck up there and you kind of end up swallowing some sure of it. You're getting yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean,
2: but that's still going to become active inside of your bloodstream, even if it goes into your stomach. Oh, yeah, That'll yeah. still like undergo different types of metabolism or it'll undergo, it'll first get chewed up by acids in your stomach instead of going right into the mucous membranes in your nose. Um, so it will have an effect. It's not really a waste of drug or anything, but <laughs> <there's different effect.
1: laughs> it's so crazy to think. I don't know, man. I, the... Yeah.
2: There's a lot of, there's a lot of crazy. It's, it's, uh, it's like when you, when you study any field to like a deep level, it becomes really trippy and really psychedelic. I think it becomes really like interesting and Mm. weird and has all these just bizarre things. Right.
0: Yeah. It's, I can imagine. I mean, even just in, in terms of anatomy as a massage therapist, like going deep into that, you just start fucking your mind starts melting, realizing how complex everything's happening. It's like, At the cert, it's it's completely like a psychedelic experience because at the the 3D reality looks normal, and then when you start peeling the layers, when you take a psychedelic, you start seeing, you feel things differently. You feel gravity all of a sudden. So when you're studying a field and you go deeper into the anatomy, for my sake, it's just like you're uncovering these systems that are operating like that, and we're just never really aware of it. So, but it's always been there. It's always been. It's like
1: now you have like a. Like an extra set of eyes, almost like a yes. like feeling of revealing more. And then, you then once you see a, it, yeah. you
0: can't unsee it. It's just now it's part of your Just like you can't unsee the, the all the science you've learned. It's just there now. It's just part of you. Yeah. Can yeah. I, this is weird? C- can I ask you both for examples
1: of of something weird, like deeper in the in your professions? Like I'd love to know yeah, in totally. terms of like yeah. what's some weird ass thing? Because you're 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 learning about. Like the drugs humans take, essentially. Yeah. So that, there must be some fucked up like things you've learned, or stories, or you must there must be a lot of myths flying around also that you know are not true.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, one of the you brought up this idea of like, what's one of the weirdest things you've ever like learned? And it's, it's actually not even psychedelic drug related. It's about it's about like deep chemistry and uh, physics. So there's a branch in there's a branch in physics and chemistry called quantum chemistry or physical chemistry. And it studies how really small things called electrons move around. Um, So basically, um, as you make a system smaller and smaller and smaller, like you and I were people, we walk across the room normally, and our feet pass through every point of the three dimensional space and going from one end of the room to the other. But when you make something smaller and smaller and smaller, and it becomes a quantum mechanical system, even smaller than a molecule is an electron. An electron's one of the more fundamental small uh, things in physics and fundamental particles uh, that you can can, uh, encounter. And um, electrons are super weird. Um, They don't travel in these like discrete motions of like A to B. They like teleport from one destination to the other. So if an electron were to walk across the room, uh, unlike me, it would just, like, you would see it, like, occur in these discrete point, these time points. You would see it, like, in one location, the next location, the next location. You wouldn't see it as a continuous thing moving. You'd see it as just appearing across the room, mm-hmm. kind of like if you were to turn on, like, lights in, like, a really big warehouse, and you kind of see it, like, all, like, flicker on, like, psh- mm-hmm. like really stacked like that. That's sort of one of the weirdest things I ever learned in science, and it's not even drug-related. Can I,
0: can I get into yeah. why that occurs?
2: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think I know enough, like, physical chemistry okay. to tell you why it occurs, but it just seems to to behave that, like, they always say that there's this there's this thing called wave-particle duality in physics, mm. and it basically says that as a molecule gets smaller and smaller and smaller... It goes from having like it normally has a linear, we walk one year from one to the other, but as it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, it develops what are called wave like properties, where instead of moving discrete motions, it, it kind of does like this. It kinda has these oscillations. Okay. And for whatever reason, you you know, if you saw if you saw the wave like particle nature of an electron, you'd see it move across the room going up and down and up and down. But what's weird is that you don't, you see it occur in these discrete motions. Mm. And there's this really weird thing in physics called quantum tunneling. Hmm. And it says that for whatever reason, uh, it does this oscillation, but you can't see it. You just see it as like, you just see it as like appearing from one, from one uh, spot to the next. But in reality, it's oscillating up and down.
1: It's almost like it's, it's going up and down in like some weird four dimensional way that we don't get. So that's, it's like popping that's in what and out. That's, that's, yeah. that's what I'm thinking.
2: That's what, it makes you think that like, we are people, we only, we see like a three, arguably a two and a half or three-dimensional space mm. but if it if an electron is moving in a four-dimensional space you you two can't see it you can always see it in a three-dimensional space
1: that's it it's uh, so it,
2: it it's, could be that it could be that it's actually moving like in a dimension that we can't see
1: i always thought of it as uh, I mean i'm trying to rationalize this because I've, I've learned a bit about quantum physics and like just yeah. just what Just the end result, you know, just the like the Kaku talking points. Yeah, totally. Totally fine. But it's like uh, volatile. Oh, sorry.
2: That's what it could be. I agree with you. It could be this like it's actually in a higher dimension that we don't perceive,
1: or lower or something like some flatland thing.
2: I don't. Yeah, I think it's like we probably higher because if you. If you think about, like, we would be able to see a one-dimensional thing. We would just see it, like, move in a line. Like, we would be able to see one-dimensional things. And we'd be able to see two-dimensional things because we can see width, right? So one dimension is a line, and you can see lines. And two dimensions is, uh, you know, length and width. So it's just like a, a box without any depth. Um so I think likely it's like oscillating in a higher dimension that we don't see as three-dimensional beings.
0: It makes the most sense.
1: Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking we know, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what's funny is that this (laughs) bleeds into like this extra dimensional multiversal kind of conversation, and that's a lot that's That's like essentially where where you're going when you take drugs.
0: Like it sure feels that way. there's things that you can't comprehend back in 3d space after the trip but in the trip it's just so clear and you know terrence mckenna says it all the time it's like liquid gold dripping through your hands Like you can't catch on to any of the things that you're grasping you can only experience it and then when you come back you're like i saw a light i saw this shape but it's nothing of what you're explaining that's
2: funny yeah it's like our our language the way our language is developed, it's developed for, like, normal states of consciousness. You mm. be able to, you're, you're able to speak in terms of normal consciousness. Our language is developed to describe what's like, oh, you really, like, trippy, chaotic state. You,
0: you're just cutting out a little bit. I don't know what happened there.
2: Uh, that's okay. Is it okay now? I, I saw the same thing on your screen. It cut
1: out. Um, I, we hear you again, but now the there we Oh go. yeah, we're good. We, video caught up. Yeah, we're good. Might yeah. Just, that's fine. A little <laughs> that's Wi-Fi fine, glitch. Yeah. I uh,
2: technical issues.
1: Just hit the side of it like we did in the nineties.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no more dial-up internet, right?
0: Yeah.
1: That sound gives me PTSD. Oh,
0: People you, joke you, about you it. You call someone and it's like, yeah. yeah, fuck. <laughs> Yeah. I should put that as my ringtone. I didn't time someone calls you.
2: Trying to call my friend. Yeah, you
1: know? that's it. Close the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I need to use the phone. Yeah. Oh, no. oh my god! I used Ooh. that joke in Futurama. It was so funny because it was like a thousand years in the future. It's like, can you guys get off the internet? I need to use the phone. <laughs>
0: yeah, but. Anywho.
1: But what I was
2: saying is that like our language isn't catered to the fact it's catered to the fact it's catered to our normal state of consciousness. It's okay. not mm. based off of a psychedelic world. So, like, trying to use words that are not for a psychedelic state to explain it becomes really confusing. Exactly. You know, like, imagine if, we, imagine if we lived in a world where, like, our normalcy was, like, tripping all the time. You know, like, imagine what houses would look like and what, like, cell phones would look like and yeah. what, like, peop- how people would interact if we were just constantly in that state. It'd probably be a really, like, colorful world, but...
0: It'd be, it'd be pretty cool. I can't <laughs> yeah, stop playing I so. think Burning Man is getting closer and closer to that translation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know? exactly. it's a it's burning man's like a competing society like a version of reality that's just trying to like come into existence maybe like
2: have you guys been to burning man i was no.
0: planning on it at, at either this year or next year but i uh, this year is obviously out of the question so totally, yeah. Yeah. have yeah. you been
2: i have and i have a friend that i have a friend that lives in san francisco and he goes with a big group and i mm. i, I want to go with him one of these years. it
3: maybe, looks incredible
2: like, it looks so great yeah it looks Mar- so fantastic <laughs>
0: Hey, fuck i want to go so bad and i don't yeah. know if you've seen this aerial photo of it at night it looks they it's like the shape of a fucking galaxy it's just a yeah. spiral of lights and in the middle just a beam i guess that's the burning man and it's yeah. people uh, who are listening i'll share it on our facebook page of the photo of it it's wild it really does look like a galaxy in the universe uh,
1: i can't wait yeah it's it seems like uh a, a, it seems like a trip Like a drug trip. There's probably drugs going on. You probably
0: don't even need to take anything. You're just already out of your (laughs) mind just being there.
1: You're probably safer not taking anything, but like, come on! It's who comes back from Burning Man? It's like, did you take any drugs? Nah, it was it was just yeah. fun the way it was. It's like what? Like they literally light shit on fire. There's a bunch of people doing these large scale like metalwork sculptures, and there's a bunch of free flowing drugs, and you're like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm chased at Burning Man. Come on, man, who did that? You know what? That's actually a big dick move. I'm sorry, that's crazy. Like I would respect that person. I'd be like,
0: holy shit, dude. Hey, you never know, but maybe you're on another level. Yeah, some people are just fucking wired into that realm naturally, man. Or yes, you and know. Then they take this drugs. Is, no, but this I It's just funny like. to
2: bring this up. I have friends that like have never tripped before, but think this way constantly. Mm, they have these yes. really like out their thoughts. Me too. Never tripped.
0: Me too. I have yeah. people that I know who who don't do psychedelics, but they're they're not exactly in our 3D reality. They're kind of like in the membrane. Dancing be, between the two realms because their their concepts are so psychedelic and the way they present yeah. themselves is so psychedelic. It's it's very impressive to see. Well, interesting to see is the right word. It's
2: interesting. Totally, yeah. I agree. Yeah,
1: okay. yeah. unique bastards. <laughs> I needed all these drugs yeah. to like wrinkle my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I need all these
2: drugs to think this way. <laughs>
1: Damn it! <laughs> I really did though. I mean, I had such a boring three D way of <laughs> seeing things, and I mean, boring is. Let's say. Uh, I didn't look past my nose much. Sorry?
2: Like mundane, kind of just like everyday or whatever, boring, that way.
1: Granted, I guess is a good word. Like whatever's in in front of me or whatever concepts are given to me by the people around me. This kind of young, like little brother energy. Just this kind of like, oh, that's what that is? Thanks. Like I'm not going to think for myself in that way. And then suddenly my teacher is like an obscure plant energy or whatever. (laughs) Like, you know, like shrooms when I'm like in high school. And I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) And, and when people say, like, PTSD is being treated by MDMA, everyone who's ever taking anything yeah, yeah. close to MDMA is like, uh-huh, okay, yeah. we get it. <laughs> yeah,
2: I could
3: see that.
1: Uh, it
2: really just, like, shifts your perception of, like, what is and what could be, uh, and it's interesting. It's sort of like...
1: Hmm. It loosens your It's grip. like
2: you, you have this like one, it's like you grow up and like you're taught all these things and those ideas become ingrained in your brain.
3: Yes. And then
2: like, for me, I remember like tripping and being like, holy shit, like it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, like there are other things out there. There are other ways of thinking and, uh, mm. yeah, that's the wild part about it.
0: I want to get into MDMA for PTSD and for all my, for all the things that it's it, that it's showing to to treat because I did MDMA once. I've done ayahuasca and all that kind of stuff, but I was never really interested in MDMA. But I it was a I think it was two years ago. I decided to take it and go to a like a rave party kind of thing, and we took two pills and this fucking thing hit me so hard. I remember thinking this, you can't feel this good without having the opposite effect. Like I'm way too yeah. high in the, I guess now that I know it's the dopamine rush. And it took me a month to fully recover after that. I was depressed. I just felt like a fog. So I'm sure that these treatments uh, with like MAPS stuff, they're not doing it the doses I was taking. No. Yeah, so that's, no. a, that's a big thing. Is there is there like a sweet spot that they've, they're figuring out? Or are they kind of just doing... Not-
2: they're like, so there's like, hmm. so the way to get into that question is like, it depends on the condition you're trying to solve for specifically um, MDMA and depression. It's a very low dose. It's not high at all. Okay. But for example, the high dose studies are usually for people that have uh, fear associated with like terminal, terminal cancer. Okay. That's the high doses are used for people that are like, you are going to unfortunately die of like this bad cancer. I'm going to usually give them a high dose to make them feel better about dying.
0: Okay. Because but, you
1: pretty much kill them, like, in a, in this weird, like, pseudo, like, this yeah. controlled, like, ego death. And it's like, oh, okay, that's, that wasn't that bad.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it is. And a lot of things that are for, like, psychological conditions that you are, like, you're going to live for a long time. You have no, like, conditions that say you're going to pass away anytime soon. Those are, like, pretty low doses. Okay. Um, I don't know the, I can't speak to the exact dose, but I know it's in the realm of like a much lower MDMA dose for, uh, PTSD and the psilocybin one for depression is also a pretty low dose, but then you get to psilocybin for people with like, you know, end of life uh treatment and it's, it's really high mm. you know it's a really high dose because as you know <laughs> it's you the get dose. these sorts of like really i've never taken a high dose of psilocybin or lsd or anything but i've obviously read that with these high doses you have this very like dmt entity oh, yeah. type trip I, or can, you, I
1: can
0: attest yeah you <laughs> can attest about
1: <laughs> i wonder if uh mdma it like is is the treatment considered a microdose? Or is it just uh, less than the?
2: No, it, it's 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 more than a microdose. It, it's more than what a microdose would be considered. Actually, you're gonna f-
1: you're, you want to you want to get the feeling sort of. You want to get like that. Yeah. That. Because okay. usually, what describe, like, usually loving... what they
2: do in these in these studies is it's not just like, oh, here's MDMA. Like go figure out your depression. <laughs> it's they want you to talk to a therapist while you're under the experience of the MDMA. So they want you to be. Uh, sober enough to be able to talk like fluently. Okay. They don't want you to be super intoxicated that you can't really Just connect in this world. And that, that's why they yeah, always black.
1: specify it's psycho, it's psycho, it, it's psychedelic assisted therapy. Yes.
2: Psychotherapy, yeah, exactly. And there's even a newer one that's starting in January. I forget the name of the the big company, but they're they're combining MDMA and LSD Mind for med. Uh, Mind med. psychotherapy. What's
0: that? Mind Med, like he knows. I'm invested in them. Let's go, Mind Med. I'm invested in them. That's yeah, but how you are. yeah, and the work that's they're fun. doing is incredible. What and I think that's yeah. in phase two now, or they're just heading there. It's,
2: I think it's phase yeah, it's phase two. It's yeah, it's in,
0: so they're combining LSD with MDMA. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, and it's starting in January, I think.
0: So that's exciting. It's good to hear. I can go trial. And what are they hoping to find? For, at least from I can get a perspective from you because you're you're from the science background. What are the, what's their uh-huh. what's their uh, what do you call that? A hypothesis behind it?
2: Yeah. So what you so basically Candy if you look get all the research, the general outlook of all the research and what they do is they treat them with like three treatments sometimes. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two, sometimes. It's, but usually it's three treatments okay. and it's three treatments that are pretty low and they space them about a week apart. Okay, so nice. they give you a treatment. They talk to you. You go home. You come back to the second one. You come back to the third one. And they give you a follow-up question. They give you these questionnaires. Okay. And they're self-reported questionnaires that basically rate your your depression um, before you take any of the MDMA. And they would rate your level of depression um, during each clinical trial. And then they do a one-month follow-up and a six-month follow-up. Okay. And what they want to see is that basically what, what they've shown is that you know, six month. The, the most they do in terms of follow up studies is six months. Okay. And the effect has been prominent six months um, after the start of the study. So basically, the, the medication works for at least up to six months where they don't necessarily feel as depressed, they feel less depressed. That's but they huge. haven't done follow-up studies like a year after or two years after mm. um, because the studies haven't been going on long enough. yeah. So they're hoping that there'll be a long lasting result of like you don't it's not that you're like it, well, it is kind of like your cure of depression. They want to have a long lasting result that they don't see you experiencing depression for like mm. longer periods and hopefully six months, I guess now.
1: Six months is a long time though, like that's it is.
2: yeah, that stands. Most to of them show most of them show at least 6 months cuz that's the maximum that's been measured okay. um but it's inter- it's interesting that they're combining mdma with with lsd i think yes. that's interesting uh, i don't i've never i've never taken both drugs i've never take i haven't taken mdma at all okay. and of course then i wouldn't have ever taken mdma and lsd at the same time <laughs> So I yeah. can't speak to the personal experience
0: of it. I'm very interesting, uh, very interested in the results coming from these kind You're of. You're also very interesting. i will <laughs> take <it>. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> <laughs> <awesome>. uh, Yeah, <laughs> I would love to see what comes from this because I, I that's yeah. the first time I heard of that combination. You know,
1: I tried yeah. the MDMA with mushrooms once, and oh. I have to say it was the best trip of my life. Wow! Which I like, didn't even know this. It was just. I mean, there's nothing like extravagant that happened. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I, I don't feel like I took enough shrooms to get like a very strong, like, like a religious experience or anything. But I just had enough like to, it was an accident. Like I kind of had these party levels of both drugs and was just looking to have fun. But then I just like found myself in this visually activated, floaty, happy, Mm. like the best part, the best parts of both drugs just like hitting this perfect dead center. And I was like, just thinking about it now I feel like I could breathe more easily like it was just such a nice feeling I remember out loud going whoa like (laughs) like a generic like like a Keanu Reeves moment I had a Keanu Reeves moment I had a Bill and Ted like whoa moment I was I remember I was in the bathroom and I was looking at a spider this was actually happening by the way everyone's like that wasn't real right but this I'm actually I actually see a spider in the corner of the bathroom and he's playing it's kind of like stuck in its own web and it's kind of like Mm -hmm. fucked up and like like trying to get out of it. And, and I, I'm literally looking at a spider caught in its own web, like some beautiful, <laughs> weird metaphor or something. And I, I just go, whoa. Like, and then I laugh because I heard myself do that. I just, it was just an honest response. And it's like, I'm a reserved person usually. Well, at least I think I am. I know I'm not. But <laughs> don't, don't correct me. <laughs> but, but just to, to have this kind of weight off my chest. I think there's no other way to put. It. I had this big weight off my chest, and I, I just had this childlike happiness. So, and I haven't had a lot of experience with LSD, and, and I, I'm sure you're strongly aware that most people probably haven't even taken LSD in their life, even though they think they have. So, yeah, like, I don't know what yeah, the fuck I took. Yeah, that's
2: something we could get into. That's an interesting yeah. why that is.
1: I would love yeah. to. Perfect segue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a good one. So, yeah, the the whole thing you just talked about, we're like. People probably haven't taken LSD. I think they have. That's interesting because, I guess like I thought about this too when I first when I first tripped. You know, I just got an acid from some like guy that I barely knew. Like, oh yeah, here's some acid. Like, you know, oh yeah, it's 150 micrograms. They don't know what they're talking about. They're just like saying a bunch of crap. And it could be N-bomb. It could be some other uh, lysergicamide. But um, yeah, I, I can't say that N-bomb? I have. I can't. Oh, NBOME is um. So it's called 25 – there's there's a few derivatives, but basically it is – you could say it's a derivative of mescaline. Have you guys heard of mescaline yeah. before? Yeah. So it's basically if you take, like, two mescaline molecules and kind of, like, glue them together, and it's, it's a bigger molecule. Um, but unfortunately, there's a specific position where you can put an atom called an iodine, and it's called 25I. And it's unfortunately a few people have died from it, Ooh, but okay. it's a, the compound was created by a chemist named David Nichols, um, who is a psychedelic chemist uh, that worked a long time at uh, Purdue university in Indiana. And he synthesized a lot of these novel uh, psychedelic drugs. But, hmm. you know, I guess what we're getting into is like, I can't say that I've confidently knowingly taken LSD but recently, I you know I did acquire like uh, one PLSD, and okay. I know I'm pretty sure it was one PLSD because you know you buy it from those like RC markets online. They have a little stamp on it, and they give you the uh, the HPLC data and all yeah. the like, characterization. So I trust that that was one PLSD. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because I can't confidently say like I've taken LSD before. I can confidently say I've taken one PLSD at this dose. Okay. Um, and i think that's like that's that's a hard thing about like taking psychedelic drugs there's no re- there's no like hardcore regulated market so you're just like trusting some random person on the streets and mm. i think the online research chemical community is better it's probably your best um, like, bet probably your best bet yeah,
3: yeah.
0: at least I in think. the current situation like this is why i'm i'm a huge I, I believe in the, the legalization for this these substances in yeah. a medical setting because we're going to get regulated like the closest to the exact mm. measurements and everything through the, through, through the pharmacology and all that stuff. I'm not sure how I feel about the rec- recreational market yet for these kind of experiences because it's so variant in what it could be treated for. And I think, like, for example, that MDMA experience I had, I kind of blasted my dopamine or something. I was fucked up for a month. You know, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So it's um, I'm excited for where it's heading medically.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know that. Like, yeah, I definitely agree that. Like, you know, we all have biases as people. Right. And I have the, I have the slight bias as like a researcher. And I'm like, oh, I want to see like the research and the clinical trials before mm. it was ever recreationally legal. I, I do agree with you on that. Um, yeah. But oh, the same sorry. token, like, I understand that, like, people do want to, you know, people are going to take drugs, whether you tell them or not tell them, right? So it's, well, that's like, where it's going to head. That
0: problem that's, it's going to head there, whether it's in yeah. 10 years or in 30 years. We're probably going to see recreational yeah. shops that you can pick up some fucking ayahuasca. Probably. Yeah.
2: Like, you know, Amsterdam has, you can buy the mushroom truffles, right? You can buy those in Amsterdam.
0: But, you know, an argument to my original point is that, you know what, if it does end up that way, at least you're... You know exactly what you're purchasing at the store versus some fucking yeah. Grateful Dead guy making your fucking LSD or whatever. Yeah, like even
1: if you have, you know, that kid, like that 16 year old waiting outside the depth, yeah. like waiting, waiting
0: for some ayahuasca. Like, yeah, you know, like yeah, exactly, like <laughs> <laughs> hey man,
1: you, I'm, yeah, like I'm, uh, I'm too young. Can you go buy this, uh, like, like DMT for me in the <laughs> store? Like uh, even, even though that sounds crazy to us today, it's it's leaps and bounds safer mm. than whatever like back alley transaction that were that's like in our nightmares and our pasts unfortunately yeah but I, yeah, i'm i'm so curious well. i have a random question from what you were saying before it's not so random but like you're you're saying you've tried like a, this this new this newer experience where you had lsd and then yeah. so you have this kind of mystery lsd experience in in your past because you're not mm. sure exactly what it was like could you try could you theoretically try different lsd types uh, uh, or yeah. derivatives and then kind of remember and be like oh it was this type <laughs> like is it that distinct yeah, I
2: mean, this is if you've read P. Cal or you know Alexander Shulgin, this is what he tried to do mm, um, interesting. so Alexander Shulgin is his very famous iconic person in the psychedelic community he's unfortunately not alive anymore but he did live into his like early 90s he didn't die young or anything but um in the 1970s 60s he had a Chemistry lab in his garage, right? And he unfortunately was busted by the DEA law office because he was making psychedelic drugs. He Oops. was synthesizing like DMT and LSD, but also like Jeez. taking these molecules and modifying them, making derivatives like, you know, um, like that uh, 2CI, 2CE, which are all these mescaline der- derivatives. Mm. Um, so he essentially tried to do this in a book called PCAL. I recommend the book highly to. Anybody that's into the psychedelic stuff. So he tries to explain the differences between like small chemical substitutions on molecules. So the answer is yes, you can do it. So in my own curiosity, I do I currently have like one PLSD and I have ethyLad. Have you guys heard of ethyLad? No. No. Ethylad is in another LSD derivative. There's also like ALD fifty two. So I, I am curious to try a bunch of these analogs and see if I can feel the differences but i also don't like to trip that much i think Mm. like in the 10 years in the 29 now is my first trip when i was 19 so in that 10 years uh i've had 10 trips so like you know about one trip a year so it's hard to like actually try all these drugs and figure out the effects i don't want to trip that much right but i wish over the course that way what's that
1: i wish i would have done it that way like you're you're not diluting your experience
2: yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not super experienced with psychedelics. I'm really interested in them, but I haven't tripped a lot, right? Like, you know, I I think it's. I think actually ten times. Yeah, I counted it the other day. I was just writing down in my <laughs> journal like how many trips I've done.
0: Well, that's for me too. There's moments in my timeline where like they were kind of unnecessary trips. <laughs> we we all kind of didn't know what we're getting ourselves into, yeah. and it could have went sour, but we kind of rode through it. But in my, I had a journal. I stopped writing it because I realized just to, to absorb the full experience. I didn't need to keep marking down each time on what was going on. But yeah. there was like a solid four years that I just, there was it wasn't even necessary what I was doing. You know, it was just like, the MDMA experience was really, it was amazing, but it was completely unnecessary. For,
1: like for, for any kind of like,
0: well, I think... Beneficial? Yeah, standpoint, it wasn't... Huh? It was, like, a recreational use, and I didn't find any benefit from it. It kind of fucked me up for that month, you yeah, know? Yeah. Mm. You, know Do you?
1: Are you brutal. doing that deliberately? Are you spacing them out uh, to kind of...
2: No, I just can't handle, like, that headspace. I just, mm. like... It's too much. It's too, like... It's so intense for me to, like... I enjoy it, but, like, it's so intense. I don't want to go to that place, like, a lot, you know? It's, uh... You know, you know, it's it's, uh... It's, like... The, the, I guess the analogy I made last time when I tripped, it's like, I kind of felt like it was like sort of like a psychotherapy session that happened in like six hours that would have happened in like six months with a psychotherapist. Like it's really jam packed, like a lot's going on. There's a lot of information to absorb. And I couldn't, I don't think, even if I tripped like once a month, I don't think I'd be a functional human being to be honest. I wouldn't be functional.
0: What's your curiosities uh, for ayahuasca? Have you ever, any interest in that?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm curious. Mm. Yeah, I'm definitely curious in ayahuasca. Um, because, I guess because like, it's like the oldest psychedelic drug that Mm. exists, right? It's older than, you know, the mushrooms, which came from the Aztec people in Mexico. Um, I think it's the oldest thing out there. I think recorded history,
0: it's 4,000 years, I believe. That's That's crazy. And there
2: is that like, you're talking about this tradition that's involved with ayahuasca. The whole ceremony is like yes. the tradition of ayahuasca, and I feel like tying that into a psychedelic experience, like it is a different experience right. than if I were just take ayahuasca 100%. and go walk around outside. That setting of being in the ceremony makes it different, right?
0: Hundred percent. That changed everything so, for um, me. The the setting of a cer- yeah that. the setting for a ceremony changed the entire psychedelic experience for me, where like. I would only do it in a ceremonial setting kind of thing now, yeah. whether it's ayahuasca, whether mushrooms or DMT, I, that setting that you create, I don't know what it does, but it just, the it just changes the whole feel for the, for the, uh, for the experience and the experience changes because of it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely a thing that people preach a lot on psychedelics. It's like the two biggest things are set and your setting, right? Yeah. Like setting being like where you are, or like what's going on around you. And like, if you're like taking psychedelics in a really hostile environment, like that's not going to be a good trip,
1: right? Uh, I, I have so. one experience uh, that always comes to mind. Hostile is not even the word, but this this was this was an, in, instantly a a scenario where set and setting were completely like destroyed or or, or kind of turned uh, on me, and it was with uh, ketamine. So I had this oh, like okay. weird disembodied numb kind of but still very psychedelic feeling i know it's like a tranquilizer or something but it's a very weird and effective like psychedelic experience and uh i was at a friend's place and uh, you know lack of intention just kind of like that's that's the power behind the whole set and setting thing so we're just we're just like at an apartment you know and then this this guy is like oh guys uh by the way my mom's gonna come over soon oh boy! Uh, yeah and she never came she never came oh. this is the i just want to tell you right now so the three of us suddenly panic but but not out loud like the mood just was ruined and then for the next like 20 minutes i don't know about them but probably the same as me i just felt like i was in hell like i was in some kind of strange emotional like vice of of this this torture feeling this anticipation mm. this this having to pretend to be sober or yeah. and and knowing i'm going to fail and it and it was just the worst time of my life. Yeah. I've had like crazy pains and horrible <laughs> like uh, experiences, but that was this kind of dread that I just don't want to ever explore again. It was mm. so unnecessary, and and like it's w- we dissected a lot on the on and off the podcast. But intention with anything is like super important. It's just like the, it's literally the like the direction in which you're going or it's like the it's the why it's the foundation it's like there's something so blatantly important and like we it's it's almost like silly to say it out loud because it's so intrinsic to the experience but then you just have this kind of like we were saying before like growing up in a certain way and and just thinking that's okay because of the language we use or the experiences we've had so then, you know, you'll take shrooms with some friends and it's like a party drug mentality or you'll go to a rave and yeah. take ecstasy, you know, and those might be nice experiences and they might maybe having a different experience might have mitigated that that month of like feeling like shit. Who knows?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And and I think that's maybe the big function, the big intention is try is getting the best out of this. That's what the ceremony is for is like this is not a fun time. This is not gonna and who knows what's gonna come out the other end mm. because yeah. every experience changes us you know so and this is like you said like six months crammed into six hours is the best way i can describe any psychedelic <laughs> yeah and, uh, seriously yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's 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 a it's like um it's a bullet coming out of a gun man we gotta we gotta be careful big time yeah
2: totally totally and i and i guess like but the last two trips I did, I had, like, intention. And um, I think the first, like, I think the first bunch of trips, I'd say bunch, has like, five. I guess I just thought it was, like, kind of, it was interesting and kind of fun, but I didn't really have intention. And I think because the last two trips I had, like, intention, it, like, did help with the problem that I was, like, trying to solve nice. or, like, mm-hmm. figure out. And um, specifically was that, like, I have this – Issue or whatever that I, I don't cry, like I don't cry sober, which is like strange or whatever. And I think it's maybe like the societal perception of like you're a man, you don't cry, you don't do this and that crap. And um, I was talking to my girlfriend about this, she's like, Yeah, it is kind of like weird, like most guys, like even guys, like do cry and you don't. And I, I was trying to like work through it during these two trips I had. And um, you know, during those two trips, I did cry a lot, which was pretty cool. It was like the mm. first time in my life I'd ever really cried, it was, it was like beautiful, and it wasn't even like. <laughs> I was crying about anything sad like I remember I was we were standing on the beach in Nova Scotia you know Eastern Canada I was out there for the strip we're standing on the water and um, I remember looking up to the sky and just feeling like like existing like we exist at this very moment in time Hmm. and the fact that we exist is like is a really special thing it's really meaningful that we exist. And I remember crying because I felt like it was really meaningful that I existed as a human being. Just like something I would never feel sober or whatever. Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: Um, I always describe it, it as like yeah. um, like when you have that kind of happy cry and that like kind of psychedelic space cry. Mm-hmm. It's, always yeah. like, uh, it's always like it's always like the words meant to be come to mind all the time. Like you, uh, like shame falls away, pride falls away. Like the the need yeah. to control and micromanage falls away, and then and you know if you're staring at a sunset on a beach it might help but mm. for the most part you're you're feeling like like i'm supposed to be here this is meant yeah. to be everything's okay yeah. or good enough you know and that's yeah. good enough like it's yeah it's a it's a what what's that uh, what's that guy um jason silva i forget oh, okay, his name i sure that guy but he always it's says that huh? I know this guy you know that you yeah, know what I i'm know talking this, about I, yeah i know this guy yeah, yeah, yeah but he always describes he's quoting somebody but it's like there's this falling into the void kind of abyss thing with death with life with psychedelics with like everything that mirrors these these experiences and then there's that there's this kind of like hidden feather bed that's like waiting for you and it's that feeling of like oh like i was really scared but like there's this relief now and that might not even be what you're describing it might just be like you didn't have to go through hell to get to heaven sometimes sometimes no, you I, just kind of end I up there have to,
2: no i i didn't have to go through hell i remember like I've definitely had difficult, uncomfortable trips, but nothing like, I've seen, you know, you read some trip boards about people, like, getting arrested and this and that, but um, I've never had any, like, really, like, intense, bad things happening in my psychological state tripping. you know, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable, but overall, it's been pretty good. Um, One of the things that, like, brought me to this realization is that, so I, I did two trips in Nova Scotia. One was only 50 micrograms, and the other one was 75. I don't, like, take high doses or whatever, just because I, I'm kind of like, I'm a little bit scared of high doses to be honest. But, um, the first trip I remember, like I was on the beach on 50 micrograms and I was holding a rock and I had the thought that like this rock was probably formed in some volcano like 10,000 years ago or something. So like this rock, if it had existence, you know, me existing for like 80 years would just be a blip in its, in its total existence of being a rock. Um, and it kind of gives you the idea that like like time like is super relative. You know, like millions and billions of years in the past have already happened and where we are right now is like the current moment of time and time will keep going and someday mm-hmm. we're gonna, you know, unfortunately unfortunately pass away. But um it, it just like it's super special to like exist at like a very moment in time is kind of thing that was uh, hammered home to me in this trip, I remember. It's...
0: It's a beautiful realization, man.
1: That's kind of like that's yeah, that's uh that's just nice to hold, like the just yeah. kind of enjoying the fact yeah. that you're here, if you want to put yeah. it in a simple way. The and we're all here together yeah. like Deepest now. Deepest level of it, presence,
0: you know? Cuz yeah. it really puts
2: you like what psychedelics seem to do for me is like in your normal everyday life you're thinking about like things that happened in the past or you're like working on a project, thinking about the future. It's hard to really immerse yourself like in the very moment. I think right now we are, which is really nice immersing ourselves in the moment by having a conversation. Mm. But like in that psychedelic space, you really are like, all you can think about is like what you're experiencing in that very moment. It's hard to like, it is harder. I used to my perspective, think about like the past or the future. It's like, what am I experiencing and feeling right now?
0: Mm. Yeah. That's that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. that's definitely cathartic too. Uh, maybe that's I just I just I like that's that's what I want to hold on to and I, what I want to teach myself through these experiences. Like in an, in a nutshell, it's like the only reason I do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's just to kind of find the center and then to kind of be just kind of be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's funny that that's hard. And maybe that's like that mechanism you just described. It makes me think of a bad trip because like once Mm. it gets through that barrier, this persistent and very uh, thick presence, you know, if that gets penetrated by a future or past like anxiety, fear thing, then it's maybe it's hard to shake that. And you're kind of it's like it's bled into your present and then you're you're in this kind of um, paranoia where you're yes. thinking, like, my, my movements will be the wrong movements, and it's like, dude, you yeah. are overthinking it.
2: Yeah. I remember having that experience on acid, I was call it acid, before I ever bought, like, real
1: Worst acid. name for a drug I ever. F- <laughs> I remember,
2: for whatever reason, feeling like I'm actually just going insane. I was like, I'm actually just, like, going insane. And I, I convinced myself that I was, like, going insane. And then you get all the paranoia, mm. and you think about, like, oh, like, what if your heart starts racing? And um, that was definitely one of the one of the it wasn't a terrible trip I'd, I'd call it a bad trip but you know it wasn't anything mm. awful awful
0: those are the but, best you know trips, you eventually
2: <laughs> what's
0: that i said those are the best trips
2: oh god
1: really <laughs> <laughs> i love going <laughs> down those spirals of panic he's a glutton for punishment oh, he wants so to build terrible. calluses yeah, seriously, <laughs> 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 he's he's big on what doesn't oh, kill you makes it. you stronger yeah. oh
2: god man i'm i uh Props to you. I uh, I hate these trips, and I have to remind myself that like it's a molecule, and it'll get kicked out of this receptor, and I'll feel normal again. I always tell myself that during those trips, but I haven't. It's been a few years since mm. I've had that kind of trip. You
0: know, the mindset I have in that is that it's not the trip that's the problem; it's your resistance.
2: Yeah, you think that's what it is?
0: I well, you have to think about. I've heard that before. Yeah, Yeah, But but letting go of your resistance can be the hardest thing. But yeah, you know, that's the that's the real suffering is that. Oh, that that panic reaction that you can actually control. It's not the experience.
1: Yeah. 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 What's tricky is that I, that's activated yeah. by different things. So I feel like learning to not resist in different scenarios is like a. Those are all separate skills. Mm-hmm. So it's like you you run up yes. like you're right, but but I'll I'll yeah, add that tagline. Right. Like it's not as simple as I don't resist anymore. Like maybe it no, is, and it's I a just muscle. It's, it might It takes, might time, be,
0: it takes yeah. time to work. Yeah. yeah. It
1: might be. It really... I look, like how we all agreed. <laughs> it. No, no, it, it, may, it might be. It might be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but there is this kind of I,
0: That's general feeling. I've
2: heard feeling. people say this before, this idea that you have to surrender to the
0: experience. Yes. That's total, and that's why you're having a but bad But there's trip there's so many deaths to surrender and I'm still on probably the first or second rung of the ladder because mm-hmm. surrendering can go as far as, okay, you're actually surrendering the your actual death. Like we haven't... No matter what kind of surrender you experience in a psychedelic trip, the biggest surrender we're all going to face is the physical reality death. Yeah. yeah. So... The surrendering, and then imagine surrendering your loved ones who pass away. Like, this surrender has depths to it. So in the psychedelic experience, it may be hard to surrender at times, but these are muscles that we're building. And that's why I think psychedelics are so crucial. For someone with the clinical uh, stage 4 cancer who's on the deathbed, who works with the MDMA therapy or whatever, they pretty much just learned how to surrender before their actual death, right? That's That's the power of these huge doses on them. So... When when you have those kind of experiences, those trips where it's like a practice run, yeah, I look at it like that yeah. now, and it's just these are training wheels for the big surrender.
2: That's a cool perspective. That's a cool perspective. And there were, I mean, I, I've heard it, but I've never like actually put it into practice, like during a bad trip, so to speak.
0: And you got to try, maybe, man. That's, flex, that maybe that's worth, yeah, <laughs> flex that muscle. Yeah, flex that muscle. It could <can> be worked <laughs> on. That's the me. that's that's the beauty of it. That's why when I go into experiences now, it's like, I look, I, I still panic. I have those moments, but oh, I've been here before, okay, it's the, now the muscle's yeah. growing, I'm breathing, I'm working through yeah. it, you know? It's not the experience that I'm afraid of, it's just my reaction that's fueling this fear.
1: Yeah. yeah. What I might tell somebody and is, it, oh, please. I was
2: going to ask, have you, you seem like maybe you've taken high doses before, and what have those been like? Uh, yeah. I'm curious about this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I've
0: taken huge doses of psilocybin, and it's like uh, I think the most at th- after five it doesn't change anything. It's you're you're I at bet. the heroic dose, but the heroic ju- dose <laughs> for the sake of just for the story it was seven grams and uh, it was very difficult, man. It was uh, so much fear, so much regret for taking that amount, so much. <laughs> uh, that
1: didn't cross my mind. It's funny <laughs> that you were like, get out of me. Yeah, yeah.
0: And so the setting was off. I was with my best friend at the time and my ex at the time. So yeah. we were, she was my ex uh, at the time, and we yeah. just re. You reignited this friendship with a psychology. I just got trip. like a flop sweat when you said yeah, that. It was just the <laughs> set, so, t- intense, t- yeah. Man. So talk about setting and and yeah. sets. Like it was just so that was a hard one to do surrender, but I yeah. worked through it for a six hour fucking journey because what's sure. the alternative? I just panic and make it harder, or I find moments to just surrender, and that's yeah. that's where it came up. Here's the know?
1: here's the finger trap of what we're saying though. What if this is a possibility? I think if you're surrendering for realsies... That's a technical term. You're <laughs> you're you don't care if you're in a bad trip anymore. So the goal is not to alleviate or cure the bad trip. If you're surrendering realsies, then it's like so be it. That's it. And that might be yeah. empowering in a scary way, but that's what surrender is. That is it. Whoa, I just blew my
0: own mind. That's it. Well think yeah, that's about, pretty interesting. Think about the big yeah. surrender. I talk about death. It's it's a trip. You, you, you. Let's say you're given the news. You have a week left, or you're fi- you're literally at the deathbed. There is no control over what's going to happen next. So you kind of have to kind of create this passive experience where you just allow it to happen, and that's what that's the kind of mindset I go into. Psych. That's my only intention now when I go into psychedelic space. It's not I want to fix this part of my life or this relationship. I just I'll surrender to whatever arises. You know. Interesting. Yeah
2: because i've always i've always went into it like oh, i have this like bad personality trait or this like i don't cry and i want to fix this but you're more so like whatever arises that's
0: interesting because you have to remind like, yourself that it's not you in control of this experience so your specific intention may be your specific intention but you're communicating with the molecule that's has its own thing that it's doing and it might you might go in with this ca- this personality trait and then all of a sudden you're thinking about what you said to your mother last week or something like that and you're like oh fuck, I don't want it. I wanted to focus on this it's like that's where you're yeah. starting to create and that's th- why there's no psycho assisted <laughs> uh, <laughs> therapy <laughs> with the, with the DMT <laughs> <of> ayahuasca. <laughs> but that's where you, s- <laughs> <laughs> you start forming these expectations or these directions that you're trying to impose. And that's where bad trip starts to formulate because it's not, it's, it's you're, you're bringing in your control into the experience that isn't your control.
1: I think a lot of yeah. us could even say that we've encountered maybe like a thought or something. Like, like it's almost like a, you, you go through a door and you're like, oh, last time that was a bad mm. trip and now it's like that it, that feeling kind of arises but you've been here before so you feel okay and it's literally like the same place air quotes or something but you're equipped now yes and that's that that might also kind of explain that syllabus vibe that you get from some drugs especially ayahuasca yeah. is that it's like you you you're always at the edge of what you're ready for yeah and you always kind of feel like you're falling and it's yeah. freaky. yeah yeah and i like that yeah I
2: like that was, a, that was a good explanation i like that
0: yeah. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> drugs. I'll put I'll put one more out there because um, we got to end this soon. But sure. oh, I got a cool yeah. question. Also, damn it. Just ayahuasca. I came in once in one ceremony, and it was. I tell Sammy this all the time. because there was a summer I did it three ceremonies back, like within a, a three month span. So one every month, and these are two night ceremonies. So I the the second out of those three was with Sammy, and it was a brutal trip for myself. And then the third. So the third month, so the last month of the third trip, I go and I had this like little bit of an ego that was formulating like, oh, you've been doing ayahuasca this whole summer. We're ready for this one, you know? And then I don't know what it is that communicates to you with ayahuasca, but there was like this voice that came as like, oh yeah, you think you got this? Figure this out. And I went (laughs) down like a tornado spiral where I lost identity. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was. And I had to go outside and I was, spit. the world was spinning and I was... I didn't have any idea who I was or where I was or w- what I was doing. And that was literally four hours like that. And that panic, I was crying. I was holding on the grass apologizing to Mother Earth <laughs> for, for coming in with this cockiness, you know? Yeah. So that showed me that, hey, your surrender muscle ain't strong enough for this realm yet. Go, go back to practice. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exhausting. <laughs> it was brutal, man. I yeah, was that, in a washing machine, crazy. man. Just spinning yeah. around and with with trying to grab onto Nate or Nathaniel and trying to grab yeah. on to who I was, but it was not I wasn't catching it, you know. Yeah. So, so surrender goes deep, man. It goes fucking that's, deep.
2: Oh, that's intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's probably why I'm scared. I don't know. I don't know about apprehensive to smoke DMT or 5 methoxy DMT. If you make um, your way to Montreal. It's because it's like it's like you you have to surrender. Like you you can't control any of that. You don't even like know who you are in the in those mm. states of what I've read. So like yes. you don't have a choice, and that's the surrender thing is scary because exactly that you don't even have it. It's not like LSD. I feel like you have a choice. You're still kind of yourself depending yeah, you on you
0: could splash cold water in your face and kind of yeah tame it a little bit. You know,
2: but DMT no 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 no. of what I've read no
0: NN, a little bit. And NNDMT, you can open your th- eyes, you can panic a little bit, and it kind of shuts off the experience a little bit. 5-MeO, you, no, there's I've no heard, negotiation. Yeah. There's that, yeah. you're, when you're there, <laughs> no you're... No <laughs> yeah, you take the right dose, it's you grab the train, and your your hand is stuck to the train, you know? Uh, yeah. So so I always tell people, because maybe or maybe not, I might allegedly serve it to certain people. Uh, <laughs> um, I always say... He's a shaman, come <laughs> after him. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running a church here. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I say to them is, everything that happens before that, that takeoff, is 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 what you need to surrender. Because once you take off, you're good. They're, you're there. Yeah. But it's that moment that, and that moment can be a millisecond or a second or whatever, can feel like eternity. And it's that moment if you release that, phew,
1: it's the bungee jump.
0: Fear doesn't go in that door. Fear stands at the doorway looking in. You know. So, as soon as you go through the door, you're good. You're good. Wow. Yeah.
2: It sounds wild because I've never. It seems like you maybe have had experience with five uh, meo, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like your whole humanity gets stripped away. You don't really know what you are, but you are aware. You have awareness, right? You're aware of things, Something and that's crazy. Out, yeah. It's like your awareness without like, your awareness without the fact that like I am me and you are you. It's like you're just this like thing.
0: Yes, it is by like a definition disorienting,
1: wild. for sure.
0: You are just Oof. awareness. That is it. Oof. There is no concept of any type of reality. It's just literally awareness. And I can't, like we were talking about, limited in language. There is no explanation for what yeah. awareness means, yeah. but it's just like I, I tried to to bring it into words, and it just the best yeah. way I would describe it was like there's a bucket pouring water into my into me, and that yeah. water is consciousness, and. Yeah. I'm not in the stream anymore. I'm back in the bucket. That's the that's best. crazy. The best way I can Oof. word it. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you had crazy. to touch it.
1: But you were like, oh.
0: Yeah. So I'm that, just.
2: I'm so like. I love reading about like five methoxy DMT. I like. I kind of want to try it, but I'm also like, oh, that sounds scary. I don't know.
0: It. It is. It, I. That's the one that requires a lot of respect for. Me. Well, they all do, but five MBO yeah. is not. If you're not prepared to surrender, it can be brutal. The, in the yeah. attachment to who you think you are in this physical reality. It can be very intense. And it wasn't easy even for my first time with it. It was very difficult. But it's so beautiful once you gain that perspective and knowing that you... F- that sensation, that feeling of detaching from everything that you think is reality. Yeah, it's... Uh, there's a reason why addicts that do 5-MEO and the Bufo medicine, they uh, their addiction is literally eliminated afterwards. Maybe they have a little bit of yeah. withdrawal, but... I'm sure the research is going to show that. It's incredible, at least anecdotally, you know?
2: It is, yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing about. Um, Mike Tyson talking about it on uh, the exactly. Joe Rogan experience <laughs> yeah <laughs> this like really manly man fighter talking about how he's like surrendering to the toad yeah
0: you know <laughs> like what that blew my mind too I'm like Mike fucking yeah. Tyson <laughs> yeah I agree that blew my
1: mind I didn't yeah. really see it that way I, we don't want to take up too much of yeah. your time I, I had a funny question before, like to wrap it up if you have some totally, exercise. yeah awesome. yeah, of course I, yeah. I just uh, my friend Jason brings up the concept of Soma a lot I don't know if you're familiar oh. with Brave New World
2: the Rig, the rig Veda like the that ancient tech soma on the rig veda yeah oh, no, that's i've heard of real. it before but i'm
1: i'm talking more about the concept of like um like a drug in the future maybe that will oh. that will kind of like pop us into like a just a like a blanket state of happiness essentially yeah. and, and maybe in a in a orwellian scary way like a state of complacency and i'm i'm wondering if you want to talk about the the, the real soma that's hmm. a really good topic also but like yeah. Yeah. Whatever's in your brain right now, let her rip. I just wanted to kind of what's
2: in my what's what's in my brain is both ideas. So, soma is this word. It was in this ancient text called the Rig Veda, and a lot of people thought soma was amanita muscaria. Have you you've heard of fly agaric or amanita yeah. muscaria mushroom?
0: The the
1: red um, uh, like the uh, red and white
0: dot. The Mario it's the Super red Mario. Mario the Mario yeah. mushroom.
2: Exactly. it looks like. But anyways, uh, soma actually comes up in um, Aldous Huxley's book Brave New World. And it is that soma is described as this like drug that puts you in this permanent state of complacency and happiness um, So I think in so far as the future, it's like <sighs> I don't know if that'll ever, I don't know if that'll ever exist Like at yeah. this drug that just puts you in this like Wouldn't that be really addictive if it just made you like permanently happy? I
0: just picture it as like you have to buy a canister every month and it just circulates <laughs> in your apartment <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and then it gives you a sign okay you have two weeks left or one week left go replace the canister uh, that exists it's called nitrous <laughs> 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 that
1: oh, don't do that yeah. no one do that yeah. <laughs> seriously yeah. die. I don't know I, I, I done, see I've it as, as <laughs> fond, though,
2: I've heard it's very fun though nitrous i heard it's kind of a good
1: time well people laugh uh, apparently you could die from laughing so much because <laughs> <Something> that <could laughs> because of <laughs> yeah like you'll just drown or something. Or die because <laughs> you can't stop laughing like it just tickles you and tickles you until you <laughs> Until you suffocate.
2: Oh, good, we
0: cut out a little bit. Yeah, we're good. Uh, oh, he lost us. We do have to wrap this up, yeah, well, though. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, that was, fair was, enough. We should yeah.
2: uh, we'll have to talk again. A, yeah, this was this of, was we beautiful. Pharma- we missed some pharmacology stuff. This was good,
1: though. This was fantastic, man. We'll be, we'll be maybe a little more organized or more, more intention next time.
2: <laughs> no, it's totally, it's totally fine. No, it, it's totally okay. But we'll have to do this again in maybe a month or two or whenever you guys hit the chance. I'm oh, so down,
1: dude. 100%. I had, I had a great time talking to you, honestly.
0: Yeah, that was
2: fun. Yeah. That was really fun.
0: <laughs> Sweet brother. All right, man. Well, thank you for your work and thank you for joining us.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, have a good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, that's it. How do you say goodbye? Simple good bye, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Take care, man. All right.